Welcome to the Picture Book Look Podcast. I'm Kim Chafee. And I'm Kirstie Call. Together, we'll share some of our favorite picture books and chat with their creators to explore the journey from story idea to bookshelf. We'd love you to join us as we take a picture book look. Do you dream of creating picture books that will change a child's life? Learn how to write the story only you can tell at this year's Picture Book Summit. Join John Klassen, Juji Morales, agents, editors, and more on October 2nd, 2021. Visit picturebooksummit.com to register. Feeling stuck in your creative journey? Needing to change your narrative? Everything you want is possible. As a therapist-trained life coach for creatives, I'm excited to help authors like you create clarity and build self-confidence so you can achieve your dreams. Kirstie can help you get the drama out of your life and into your art. Visit kirstiencall.com. That's K-I-R-S-T-I-N-E-C-A-L-L.com and register for a free consultation today. Hooray! I can't wait for us to work together to get you where you want to be. Hey, Kirsty. Hey, Kim. So, how are you with throwing a frisbee? Not stellar, actually. But I do have a house full of children who play varsity ultimate frisbee, and they definitely soar way above me in the flipping the frisbee department. Yeah, despite being pretty athletic, I can't for the life of me figure out how to throw one of those. But that just makes me more fascinated by them. And today's book, Flip, How the Frisbee Took Flight, written by Margaret Muirhead and illustrated by Adam Gustafson, looks at the history of the flying discs. This book is so engaging and informative. We are so excited to talk with Margaret, Adam, and their editor, Julie Bliven, to find out how this book took flight. Let's get started. Margaret, we're going to start with you. Where did you get the inspiration for this story? I have two sons, and one of my sons got very involved with Ultimate Frisbee. So I can throw a Frisbee, (laughs) but I would not say I'm athletic about it. (laughs) (laughs) But the other way I kind of found myself interested in this was that in addition to being a writer, I'm a school librarian. Wow. I love the genre and the format. I read these kinds of books, nonfiction picture books to kids all the time. They resonate with the kids. I learn a ton Mm -hmm. every time I read one. In 32 pages, I can go to a dinner party and impress people. I love it. I love that. Well, Julie, what was it about this story that made you want to acquire it? I really liked the story of how Fred Morrison, he just had such a sense of perseverance and innovation. So I liked him as a character and I felt like, you know, readers of all ages could relate to that or feel inspired by that. So certainly that spoke to me. But what spoke to me the most was this idea of where do inventions come from? And this idea that Many people unknowingly can be inventing similar things at the same time or at different times. And I just love this idea that, you know, even dating back to the ancient Greeks, flying discs were thrown and it's been this sport that evolved. But this person, Fred Morrison, had such a role in what we know of this invention today. Uh, So I just thought that really 
could create a more contemplative text that would offer a lot of discussion. And some of the other things I really honed in on when discussing this for acquisition was really Margaret's narrative voice. It's just... Yes, such a good voice. So engaging. Totally. Conversational, well-paced, accessible, consistent. There was a clarity of thought. I also realized there was a hole in the market I didn't really see any other children's books that gave such a wide overview of the invention of the Frisbee. And I also feel like I'm often thinking about Charles Bridges School and Library Market. So, of course, someone like Margaret, who is a librarian and so seasoned in these types of books, uh, I think just whether subconsciously or not, like naturally the book has curriculum ties that I would be thinking about for those markets, you know, encouraging readers to address ideas about inventions and how they're born and developed and why they spread or become popular, things like that. And then also, I find myself to be an athletic person. I played college basketball, you know, but I am not great at Frisbee either. (laughs) So I did do some research and I don't have a lot of people in my life who play Frisbee. But when I got the acquisition and I just started taking a peek at all the people like your children, Kirsten, who are playing Ultimate Frisbee. And um, I thought, oh, yeah, we need books for all different groups. So that was part of the equation, too, for sure. You've done such a good job with this book, with the voice and with the illustrations and just putting it together in a way that's engaging and informative. So, Julie, what was the illustrator selection process like? I've been really fortunate enough to have assisted years ago on books that Adam illustrated and then to actually become an editor on some books that he had illustrated. And in some early phase of this book, I was working with Adam on a different nonfiction picture book called Long Armed Ludie and the First Women's Olympics. So I remember I that book. That's, That's a good a one. Good <laughs> yeah. So we never want to sort of typecast an illustrator and say like, oh, we only want this artist to do this type of book. And I don't think we do that with Adam because he's so prolific and can do anything. But I did just really remember how enormously expressive his characters are in that book. And Adam, you know, long arm Ludi clearly had these long arms and the, the and she's a shot put thrower. And it was just the athletes were so dynamic. And I just couldn't envision Flip with many other artists as I dabbled with the designer thinking about other artists for this. And I think Charles Bridge, we really pride ourselves on both nurturing new talent, but also nurturing relationships with artists who continue to prove themselves time and again, are super talented, easy to work with, dependable, and Adam's all of those things. So it just seemed like this would be a good fit. So what was it about this project that made you want to say yes to working on it? The first part was that Julie asked. We just worked so well together on Ludi. There's some people that you just feel happy to have an excuse to work with. Definitely, yeah. As you're typing the email, you think like, I should probably read the manuscript first. (laughs) (laughs) Just to be sure. (laughs) There were things that were familiar and new about it as far as a biography goes. I don't usually quote Donald Rumsfeld, but... When he said that thing about there being unknown unknowns <laughs> mm-hmm. and people made fun of it, I thought, no, I know exactly what that means. Yeah. Like yeah. sometimes you go in there and you go like, well, I know they're at Yale. I don't know where the grass is at Yale. And I don't know what part of the campus was around at Yale. And mm-hmm. I don't know what the, did the pie truck drive up to the building? Did they play outside the cafeteria? Am I going to have this and some old guy is going to be like, you know, we were never allowed on that grass outside. <laughs> <Right? that place." laughs> like it could happen. You, you have no idea True. what 
you know? Yeah. So, so you have to kind of keep going and just go like how casual or dressy are college guys in the twenties right. at Yale? You know, who did they even accept? Who did they, you know uh, it? So there's, there's all these, there's so much research that has to be done just to even f- figure out where the starting point is. And this book had so many things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was sort of like already sort of like sucked into figuring out how I was going to figure it out. Mm. Um, yeah. So fun. Before I this. <laughs> yeah. So you knew that um, that was a good sign that it was yeah. going to be a good project. That is a good on. sign. And, and yeah. like what, what we've all said about the, the narrative voice too is it was, it was easy to get inside of it too. It was easy mm-hmm. to figure out what the tone is because sometimes as the illustrator, you wind up trying to offset a tone. Um, you know, sometimes you're trying to complement a tone, but you know, complement, I mean, in that sort of like red color, green color way, you're trying, right. you're trying mm-hmm. to dovetail these two unlikely things together. And this one was really easy to figure out. It, like it was written like the oddball compositions that I like to wrap around. <laughs> The paragraphs had nice shapes. We talked a lot about how great your voice is, Margaret, in this story. Can you give us a look into your writing process and research process? Mm-hmm. Oh, I definitely started with the research because I knew about Frisbee pie tins maybe being flung around in New Haven, Connecticut. I didn't know if that was true. And then as I learned more about the story, I learned about Fred in this was this completely different side of the country, high school graduate, no connection at all to the Northeastern thing. So I knew it was an interesting story. When I write, I tend to be somebody who writes really succinctly. So I'm a good picture book writer. I like really strong verbs and chewy words of alliteration, internal rhyme. I love all these things, but I can be, I think... Unlike a lot of people, I can be very dense and my writing can be very dense and Julie kind of helped me give it space and context and air it out. I think a lot of people overwrite and then have to pare down. I have to do kind of the opposite Hmm. where I have to like build it out because I like to get right into the chewiness. I think that some of my early drafts too were I had to figure out whether I was going to focus on Fred in that narrative or focus on the Frisbee. And I think I kind of was stuck in between and I wasn't sure how to resolve that. That was something that Julie helped me work out or, you know, ask me like, what is your focus here? Which is where do you want to <laughs> yeah. go? And I'm like, oh yeah. I really and you're like, well, what do you choice. want me to focus on? If you don't mind actually, Margaret, in this vein, I actually have the first two lines of what you initially sent to me and then what ended up being in the book. And I think it's Ooh. worth reading both because You're right. We did have a lot of conversations about what is at the heart of this piece. And for me, the only thing I really wanted to do was encourage you to stay tuned into that question, who really invented the Frisbee? And I think just giving you that was enough to inspire your revision. You proved that you really know how to revise. I think you and Adam are both so seasoned and professional in that way. Like, You don't have to give you both a lot of direction for you to solve the problems. Even with some sketches, we'd, you know, give Adam a few notes of, oh, I'm not sure if this is the right angle or perspective. And then suddenly he'd come back with a wildly even more dynamic piece of art that we wouldn't have been able to prescribe. And it was the same, Margaret, with you. I would just sort of encourage you to stay focused on that idea of what really happened to the Frisbee. So I will read to you 
the first two lines of the manuscript when I first got it. And this is the uh, first draft that I read. In every far-flung place, folks know a Frisbee when they flip one. But who ever heard of Fred Morrison, the guy whose lofty ideas helped this top-selling toy get off the ground? Very solid opening, right? Yeah. Yeah. But very, very Fred Morrison-focused, which also is not bad. But once, I think, Margaret, you sort of reevaluated the heart of the piece and how interesting it is to sort of think about inventions and how they evolve and why they become popular, this is where you ended up. For centuries, folks have been flipping for flying discs. Did cave kids reel round rocks? Maybe. Did the most macho of the ancient Greeks flick discs? Certainly. But who really invented the thrilling top-selling toy that came to be called the Frisbee? So good. (laughs) It's interesting hearing that because I think that you probably gave me permission to explore the ambiguity of that. Yeah. And sometimes you need that permission Mm -hmm. instead of it needs to be this one answer. No, there is no, it's more open-ended than that. So that kind of leads us to the next question, Julie, about editing. Is there anything else that you want to share with us about what the editing process was like? I think it's really a lot of what we just mentioned, just asking Margaret if she agreed with the vision of teasing out that sort of contemplative nature of who really invented the Frisbee. It was a lot of maybe looking at what she had in her back matter and seeing if that maybe belonged more in the text. And again, maybe just allowing you, Margaret, to do more of the storytelling than the fact than providing the facts. You know what I mean? So that I think was really what we focused on throughout the process. Wow. It's so interesting to learn about what happens behind the scenes for these types of books. And Adam, your art is stunning, and we love how you show different stages in the process on your website for some of your books. And can you give us a look into your process for illustrating this book? It always kind of starts with the manuscript, and the publisher often sends like a suggested layout or pagination, right? Like where things are going to, you know, where you'll turn the page after reading, getting an idea. I always want to bend like dragging those all around and trying to think in terms of like, do I want to read this on my way into a picture or do I want to read this on my way out of a picture? Hmm. Am I transitioning from like a moment of the book to another one? Like, is there like a double page spread that then we can like cluster some like almost like a montage of Mm -hmm. information on the next spread to get, you know, to propel forward. And then also, like I said, you know, half jokingly about the shapes of the paragraphs, but there's a lot of that in there of looking at how paragraph breaks and word shapes and these blobs of wording could fit like a puzzle piece in the picture. So that's the thing that I'm thinking of from the very start of it is what, you know, 16 point type is going to look like weaving in and out. Hmm. So then I do these little scribbly, we, in art, we call them thumbnail sketches. Uh, and it's sort of like storyboarding the whole thing out. So I, I tend to, once I've thrown globs of text around, I print the whole thing up at like 50% scale. And I draw a little book very sloppily. I'll take one or two of those images and do a really, really developed drawing of it. One thing that those little thumbnails do is they let you also know, you know, what you need to learn to draw the picture. So there's a certain amount where I go, oh, they're in the backyard throwing the popcorn lid. I don't know what L.A. looked like then. I don't know what is considered a backyard. I don't know 
what these people's parents did for a living. Because what's going to happen in the pictures, there's going to be something everywhere. So you have to find out what that something is and see if it gives an excuse. See if, you know, because a, a low house, for like, you know, a one-story house versus a two-story house are very different pictures if you're in the backyard. Flat land is different from a hill if you're in the backyard. And so I, I sort of picked a house to model theirs off of based on what I could find out about that street. And then I had to start going through um, fashion catalogs. Wow. Amazing. Uh, figure out when it was they bought their clothes for Thanksgiving. And, you know, I think, I think we're sort of, we're kind of in the depression at the time, if I'm remembering correctly. So I also was going, all right, let's look at the catalogs from like two, you know, it's a working class neighborhood. So let's look at the catalogs from like the year before or the year before, yeah. you know. Oh my gosh. You're so brilliant, Adam. <laughs> these Amazing. Our last question for you, Adam. When someone reads this book, what do you hope they feel or learn? I hope they're transported. I'm happy for someone to just go along for the story. I hope there's something in it that percolates then. I hope there's a sentence or a scene or a little dime-sized moment of a picture that just kind of hangs with them and that makes them think of things later. And so what I hope is that we made something that dovetails all together in that way that the person reading it is transported somewhere to travel across tens of thousands of years and in the end comes out and feels like they've really been somewhere. Oh. It's very magical. Yes. Okay, Margaret, same question. When someone reads Flip, what do you hope they feel or learn? I really want kids to trust their creativity and their inventiveness and go for it and make things and let them flop and fail and keep trying and trust their ideas um, and just experience the joy of creating things. They're doing it all the time anyway. They're thinking up new ways to play constantly. And I want to feed that and encourage it. I love that. Julie, when someone reads Flip, what do you hope they feel or learn? I just hope that, you know, readers of all ages, but particularly young readers coming to this picture book, will read it and feel inquisitive and curious, like that there is more to discuss and contemplate beyond the front covers of the book and to really keep considering, you know, where do adventures come from and why do they catch on? And I also think it would be great for them to think about inventors like Fred and the type of persistence and innovation and drive he brought to his passion for the Frisbee. And it's one that I think will inspire conversations long after read front to back. So that's my hope for it. A big thank you to Margaret, Adam, and Julie for joining us today and giving us a look into the creative process for Flip, How the Frisbee Took Flight. Check out the show notes to learn more about Margaret and Adam and their other fabulous books. Don't forget to follow the podcast so you won't miss an episode, and we would love it if you would leave a review. Thanks for listening, and happy looking! Picture Book Look is produced by Kirsty Call and Kim Chafee. Music by James Call. 